1: Ladies and girls, ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Steady Miguel, it's Uncle Silk,
0: it's your boy 35,
2: and Ola. it's Dan, back from Mexico. Birthday Daniel, what's
1: up, what's going on man, how you feeling? A year hey, old? I appreciate uh
2: I am a year older, had a great birthday, uh, I got to celebrate with some friends, uh, I was down in uh, in Cabo. Uh, for the last four days and, uh, posted some stuff on Instagram, had a great time down there Went ATV brought my dad down there, uh, with me. So, uh, so the two of us had a great time. It was a, uh, a big work trip. So got to connect with a bunch of people that I work with, but, uh, every year you get to bring a guest and this year brought my dad along with me and, um, had a great time on ATV and got to enjoy the weather, got to enjoy the sun. Uh, just a, just a really good trip, a great way to celebrate the birthday uh, a couple days later. So welcome Come back to you, the boys.
1: States, man. How's yeah. the pro Bowl? Oh, the Pro Bowl is pretty fun, man. I, I pulled into town early. I got in town Friday night. So I wanted, you know, what I'm saying, catch the vibes, man. So the, the city of Orlando was packed Friday night. The streets was packed. Um, it's just a different feel too. I've never been to. I, I mean, Pro Bowl is usually in Hawaii, so I think in the city of Orlando, the NFL players, everybody's getting used to this whole Orlando thing, man. But uh, we did the event with Pepsi in the pregame. It, it was pretty fun. I had a great time, met Flo Router and some of his guys. We were supposed to meet some football players, a lot of guys from the league and retired guys. But once that Kobe news hit, man, everybody scattered like roaches. Um, everybody was making way to, 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 I guess, to cope with the news and, and, and to see everything unfold, man. So uh, how'd you guys handle that? How'd you get through the Kobe news? I know and Ma caught me a couple times. You're a big Kobe fan. Yeah, man. So, you know,
0: just, you know, it and no matter what team you you actually rooted for, because I'm actually an Orlando Magic fan. But no matter you know what team you rooted for, you always you know you know had love for Kobe. You know at least our generation did. And you know like I was saying before, you know even though I was I was born in the late '80s, you know what I'm saying growing up in the, you know early '90s, and we we saw Jordan play a little bit, and we saw Jordan with you know with the two three peeps. We didn't we didn't actually understand basketball at at that age, at my age, you know. Right. Um, You know, when I start understanding the game of basketball, we we start to see Kobe. So that was our Correct. technical Jordan. You know. Yeah. Um, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, watching him in the slam dunk competition and watching him on the Sprite commercials, um, doing all yep. the things that you know Kobe used to used to do. You know, Afro Kobe. You remember Afro Kobe with the Afro? You know. Oh yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you know that that was all Jordan, and you know, you know, it was just a tragedy mm-hmm. to see what happened to him, his family, and you know the others that was on it. On the helicopter with them, man. It's just, it, you know, it's just the, the timing of it was all bad as well. You know, just, you know, he was just tweeting about LeBron and, and, you know, giving praise to LeBron about passing him, you know, in points. And then the next morning, you know, that happened. So um, it shocked everyone, you know, and, uh, you know, yeah. I, I know I, you know, I didn't know, obviously didn't know him personally, but um, it, it kind of affected me a little bit.
2: Yeah, we uh, the, the news broke when we were uh, literally just sitting by the pool, and uh, I saw a, a friend of mine texting me, uh, like I guess right after TMZ posted it. He's like, "Does Twitter confirm that this is true?" Uh, and so I took a look on Twitter, and everybody you know was posting the same TMZ article, and um, you yeah, know there was still nothing that came out. It wasn't really until uh, the uh, the the sheriff's office talked about a helicopter crash, and then. Adrian uh, Woj, uh, Wojnowski, uh, he tweeted about it, that it started to be real and it wasn't, uh, it just feels so unbelievably surreal. And we've seen so many celebrities, you know, pass away. A lot of people dying at young ages, but it just seemed like Kobe Bryant had so much more left to give, um to us uh you know i I read that he had made just as much money in the last five years that he did in his entire nba career um you know he was deeply invested in business he was deeply invested in in reading he was deeply invested in the community and trying to help and um you know you reading the stories about why he took the helicopter uh to and from his house to the staples center so he could drop his kids off for school uh, go work out and take the helicopter back so you could go pick him up from school and you just, I'm not a big basketball fan, um, but this one it hurt and it stung. And I'm still in shock and awe. And I was listening to, uh, to Shaq. Uh, I right before we dropped on the podcast, talk about it. And uh, I'm getting emotional right now and, and I've never met him. I've never been a Lakers fan. Um, and I often cheered against him just because I was a, a Miami heat fan. Uh, but to know what he, um, you know, was giving back to his community and giving back to the families and, um, it's just so sad and especially under the circumstances in which it happened uh with um you know with fog and um you know it's definitely some some misinterpreted yeah you know, definitely some facts out there that we're still you know wanting to know but just a uh just a real tragic accident it's just it shakes me to my core still
1: yeah man uh I, we had a big three roll up morning show the other day and i kind of um I don't know, it's a, I was an emotional wreck for a little while, man. I, like I said after the pro, once that hit, we didn't even go inside the game. Um, our whole crew just everybody just packed up and kind of just bounced right away. I just wanted to get home to my kids, man. Real sad stuff. He was on the on on the helicopter with his daughter. Um, I mean, doing something they both passionate about, which is basketball. Um, I mean, it's, it's just it's a sad situation. There's there's really no right words to to make it feel okay. But uh, I mean time kinda heals everything, man. So eventually we'll get to the spot where we're celebrating um Kobe and and, and get over this morning yeah. phase, man. But um sad, man, you know, th- to the Bryan family. Yeah.
2: Yeah, there was a there was a tweet that I saw um yesterday, and I'm sure he doesn't want me to out his name because he's still hiding behind uh, behind a moniker, but you know, he said if you um, saw Kobe Bryant as a light to, to society. It's our responsibility to, to pick up and carry that and not just mourn you know, his loss, but to, to celebrate what, what he was able to do and give back you know, but also know that that's, you know, on us to continue to carry forward in whatever way uh, you feel like that is and what what your calling is. And, you know, life is short, it's tragic, it's beautiful, uh, but it can end quickly and it can end with, with, you know, little to no notice a lot of times. And so, you know, look at what you liked about Kobe Bryant, whether it was, you know, the the business side of things, the way that he, you know, wanted to continue to educate, Himself, or his family, or be with his family, or whatever it is, or whatever you found in Kobe Bryant that you feel so powerful and you feel so connected to him, because I think so many people are feel connected to him so much more than an athlete. Uh, whatever you feel is your connection to him, you know. Try to live, try to live that out, because that's how you carry, you know, somebody's honor forward. So
1: we got a special Gator guest coming on this week, man. We'll get to some some gymnastic talk. Before our next guest come on, this episode is brought to you by Brun Insurance and Financial Services. Anything you need insured from the Panhandle to the Keys. I at my man Greg, 954-589-2204. I myself today just signed up for Brun Insurance. I got some auto insurance, man. Real easy process. I shot Greg over my information yesterday evening. Um, by today, this morning, he had me a quote. Um, I sent him payment, and boom, up and running, man. I'm insured. Uh, and I'm ready to go. My truck should be finished sometime this week, man. My pop should be picking it up out in Belglade. I'm gonna make sure of that as well, man. So y'all really holler good. at Greg, man. 954-589-2204. Big coverages, man. Guess of the week, Dan? Let's do it. At least you're boring. Cam, let's ride.
0: You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale.
2: And joining us for the first time on Stadium and Gale is 2019 NCAA floor exercise champion, 18-time All-American, which is 17 times more than Amon, and the 2018 (laughs) SEC floor exercise champion and 2016, 2017, and 2018 All-SEC gymnast Alicia Bourne. How are you today?
3: I'm good. How are you?
2: Good. That's, uh, that's exhausting. That's exhausting. So, um, <laughs> Alicia, talk to us. You're originally from New Jersey, how did you end up in Gainesville and as a Florida Gator?
3: Well, Rhonda Fane, Adrian Burday, and Robert, I'm blanking on his last name, sorry. They were all the coaches at the time at University of Florida, um, part of the gymnastics program. They had all reached out to me in, I think, eighth grade with a letter, and I replied to that letter with, you know, it was a questionnaire, and you fill out all these questions, and I sent it back, and then they, you know, continued to reach out, and I reached out to them, and then by my sophomore year, I was verbally committed, and then I just, you know, waited it out till I could be there and, you know, be at U.S. and be a part of the program, also, both my parents are Florida alum, so uh, that also definitely helped the push. Yeah.
2: So how, so I know you committed early. Um, did you look at any other schools or did you immediately know that you wanted to be a Florida Gator?
3: No, I definitely looked at other schools. I took my visits, even though my parents are grads, you know, that, that wasn't the only reason. They just said, you know, you can't go wrong with Florida. They just have, you know, great academics and a great athletic program. But I definitely looked at my other schools. You know, I looked at Georgia, I looked at UCLA, LSU, a lot of the other top schools, and a lot of other SEC schools um, before narrowing it down to the US.
0: When you got on campus, this is my, by the way. Uh, so when you got on campus, all right, you got you got to Florida. Um, what was yes.
4: different?
0: What was different from uh, you know competing at University of Florida and what you had done before?
3: Well. For starters, the crowd (laughs) that Odom was packed with people and it was so loud and, you know, it was so much fun. I don't think that, you know, like junior Olympic gymnastics, that's what like club gymnastics is, you know, it's not as fun and exciting and upbeat. It's more, you know, you go, you get the job done, you do your meet and you're excited if you win and everything and, you know, you, you enjoy the process, but I came to Florida and I like enjoyed being part of a team and enjoyed the experience of going through a collegiate gymnastics competition.
0: That's so. So was there any like any other team or, uh, you know, opponent that you'd like to, to compete against more than others?
3: Well, I don't know if I had like a favorite that I liked competing against. I I'm not sure, you know, everyone was a, a big competitor, you know, no matter what the team was, no matter what the rank it's, it's anybody's day, but I did love competing against teams that had girls that I grew up competing with. It was nice to be able to see them, see their growth and their progress, and then you know have a healthy competition against them.
0: That's dope. So you know, uh, you know, being at University of Florida, you know, it's a bunch of things and you know going on on campus. You got football, you got basketball, uh, baseball. You know, what What was your uh, favorite sporting event to go to besides uh, your gymnastics meetings?
3: Wow, that's hard. I did, I did end up becoming good friends with a lot of other athletes, so it's hard to choose which event I liked the most. You know, I, I really didn't go to football games till I came to UF, so that was definitely a cool experience. Um, I think I did fall in love with track and field, though. I had never been to a, a track event ever, and then I remember going like my freshman year the first time. I just enjoyed it. There was so much going on. it was so exciting. you know, things came down to tenths kind of like gymnastics and you know hundredths of a second. so I really did enjoy that. That would have to be one of my favorites.
1: hey alicia you're yes. you're, you're very accomplished uh you're you, uh, all-American, a lot of times, like Dan said, national champion. What drives you? What's your motivation?
3: I'm, I don't know if it's any one thing. I think it's a lot of things. You know, when I got here, my motivation was my team and my coaches and, you know, Gator Nation. Like, I just wanted to do good for them. My biggest fear was failing them. So that that was probably my biggest drive. Um, it was, I didn't really think about, myself ever you know freshman year I was definitely you could say like in my own head and I took things personally and you know I kind of had like blinders on but once I took you know I was still a part of the team and once I took those off it was just that much easier to be for my team but then also my parents have been you know huge in motivating me I never want to let them down just they're so accomplished academically like athletics was my turn to be accomplished that way and you know, take their legacy and make it something big at Florida.
1: Okay. You say you freshman year, you struggled a little bit. What what was that like and how did yeah. you get through it?
3: Uh, I struggled um, definitely at first it was, you know, teen struggles getting to know, you know, new girls of all ages, you know, somewhere like five or six years older than me. It's It's very different, you know, to have a senior who's like, experienced and they you know they want you to do certain things and it wasn't really clicking for me to do it the right way and i felt pressured and i put a ton of pressure on myself that was just you know athletically but then academically i was struggling to keep my grades up you know i i struggled you know with my coach and my advisor to stay on top of it get it done get good grades on top you know what i mean and then just being away from my family. I My family, you know, we're all very close. And being away from them was really hard. Um, I did end up talking to a sports psychologist. And she really helped me get through. That's that. And then my family, you know, encouraging me. And they came to every single gymnastics meet um, of my whole career. But of my freshman year, they came to every single one. And seeing them and having my sports psychologist and then my coaches definitely helped me. You know, figure out who I was and what I needed to do to be the best that I could for the team.
1: Now you mentioned um, a, a, a pretty much a long list of things that pretty much a lot of athletes deal with. College athletes, uh, the academics, uh, the the culture change, um, also the gruesome workouts. What what is a day mm-hmm. or a weekly a week routine as a gymnast? Let's
3: see. On Monday, I, it depends on the t- time of year, you know, like pre-season, during season. Let's say, like, during season, Monday, you'd have a um, morning workout at, say, 6 a.m. So you're up at 5, 5.15. You go to your workout for about an hour, hour and a half. Then I, I personally took a nap after that before my classes. Then I went did my classes. I went to our um, Hawkins Center, which is like our academic center. I did tutoring, um, and then I went to the gym. I took another nap before practice because I was exhausted, and then I would do my physical therapy or any treatment or any rehab before practice. Then I would do a practice that, you know, ranged from two to four hours, depending on You know, how much of an assignment that we did, you know, how big Mm -hmm. it was, if it was like heavy on routines or if we did conditioning after. And then I would end with more rehab and then I would do I would go to dinner or, you know, either on campus or I would go home. And then if I had more tutoring, I would do that or I would be done for the day.
1: Whew, that's a lot. Now, you
3: guys'
1: guys routine, do do the coach make the routines and cater it towards your personality? I see some of the routines when I watch this stuff sometimes. Like, some of the girls have Mm -hmm. it, like, it kind of fits their personality. Do you guys make your routine, or do the coaches do that?
3: No, so we have a choreographer, Jeremy Miranda, and he, between, you know, him and Jenny Rowland, the head coach, then, too, and us, we all work together to find music that we like. Usually we get to choose it ourselves, though, but they kind of, you know, gear us in the right direction, whether they, you know, give us suggestions or they say, like, here are some good artists or whatever, you know, we all work together to pick the music and then So no Kodak. Uh, Kodak. If you want Kodak, you can have
2: Kodak. (laughs) But from (laughs)
3: listening to his instrumental versions, I haven't found any, like, Good beats that would
1: carry through
0: a floor routine. You know, it has
3: to be like, uh, nah. and fun, and you know, keep the adrenaline going.
1: Yeah, you, you gotta add the Kodak Bop to your routine. That's you up. you put the Bop. It's the only dance
3: you can do the <laughs> Kodak music. And nah, look,
0: you, you know, you know, you got this to listen to the new rappers now because you know all these new rappers will be having the fresh beats. So yeah,
3: know, hey, they do. Yeah, <laughs>
0: that's what they got going for them. It's just the, it's the fly beats. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Yep.
3: That's hey. That's what gets us through our floor routine. Some good music. And then we we work together and then we come up with choreography that fits our personality that, you know, makes it easy for us to smile or, you know, or be serious or be sassy, depending on, you know, what Jeremy, you know, comes up with.
2: Uh, Alicia, I've got a question, just because you mentioned her back at the beginning when you talked about being recruited, about Rhonda Fane. Rhonda left after your, was it your freshman year that she left?
3: No, so um, she left before I got there after their third national
2: championship. Okay, gotcha. So you had been originally yes. recruited by her, and then Jenny Rowland came on board um, from Auburn and was your coach, I guess during the duration of your time yeah. there. Um, was it pretty easy to pick up a relationship from you know with Jenny Rowland? Had you talked to her when she was over at Auburn, or what was that like being recruited by one coach and then all of a sudden you know working under a, a different coach? Um, at first
3: really scary you know I had gotten a text from some of the other gators at the time we called ourselves like baby gators because we weren't quite there yet but we had a group chat and I got a text and it was this link to the a post that said that you know Rhonda had stepped down and wanted to pursue you know other opportunities and I was like oh it's a joke and then I found out that it was real and I called my mom I like left class and I was like mom listen Rhonda steps down what are we supposed to do now? Because when a coach steps down, you know, you can assume that the coaching staff will also leave with them. So I called her and we tried to figure out what we were going to do. And we talked a lot and we decided to stay. And then I met her at um, Junior Olympic National Championships that year. I think it was maybe a month later. I like met her at the meet and she introduced herself and, you know, kind of told me a little bit about herself and she met my parents and then we went from there on, like our relationship, I came in the summer, so I had some more time to build a bond with her. Unlike the other girls, other freshmen, you know, I had some time, and then it was pretty smooth, though. I c- couldn't complain.
2: Very good. And so, I guess from there, obviously, you, you had your baby gators, and you came in uh, with obviously a-, a very talented group. Joining a, another very talented group of of gymnasts that are already on campus, how do you guys mm-hmm. build and motivate off each other while also still knowing that you're competing against one another for for floor time and, um, you know, just overall time, I guess?
3: Mm. I think it was definitely hard at first to figure out that, you know, in the end it was for the team because you are in club and usually everybody competes all around. I know some people do, do it differently, but in my club, like, to compete, you competed all four events. So then to come and not just, like, have to maybe not do it, but fight to do that event that you want to do was really hard, and it was a big adjustment, and I kind of thought to myself, I was like, well, not competing all four events wasn't an option, and I know it's kind of like I don't know, stuck up to say it, maybe, but that that was my mentality, and that's what you know enabled me to compete all four events. I was like, I want to be the best for me and for my team, so I will do my best to be able to get in that lineup. So at first, there was definitely some conflict, you know, and I did have problems with other freshmen. I think I think everybody has problems every team has problems at first figuring out you know the right mentality to have to you know endure taking your teammates place. But at the end you're not taking anybody's spot, you know. Every everything is up for the you know up for grabs. So you just work hard, push each other and in the end it makes the team better to have everyone working for that spot.
0: Most definitely, most definitely. So uh gymnastics had a great Oh, uh, big weekend! This past weekend, tell us a little bit about yes. the LSU meet, um, and and tell us how the Gators came out on top.
3: So they started on vault. Obviously, at home we started on vault. They did a really good vault rotation. You know, carried it to bars. They had a an amazing bar rotation with some great scores. Trinity got her first ten, which I was ecstatic about. I couldn't couldn't be more proud of her. She'd really been working hard for that. Um, They went to beam and, you know, the scores, they, they didn't even do justice to the routines. Like they, they were so well-deserved their routines were beautiful. And you can tell that they've been improving and been working hard week after week. I know Sydney has been working so hard and it, it definitely showed in that beam routine and she had a nine, nine, two, five for it. And then they went to floor and just did amazing. It was, it was just one great routine after another. And it's really, it's really hard to watch because i want to be out there but at the same time like i i couldn't be more proud that they just continue to carry on this like legacy of amazing gymnastics
0: oh, awesome that's so awesome so uh, tell us a little bit more about alicia tell us something that all of the the gymnastics fans the gator fans um you know would love to know about you what do you do in your spare time when you're not you know uh you know flipping on on a on mat or whatnot
3: Hmm. Well, now I just got into Olympic lifting. So that's what I've been mm. doing lately. I've been doing it for a few months and I, I don't really know what's, you know, in the future for me, but I, that's, you know, I've just been getting started and learning and hopefully eventually competitions and maybe, you know, a international competition or something. <laughs>
1: Hey Alicia, hey, Alicia. Yes. what's what's the plans next? What what's your dreams? or uh, with the Olympics, what do you, how you think you're going to finish up? Uh, what what's next?
3: So with <clears throat> with gymnastics, um, when you get to college, usually those mm-hmm. are like your last the last four years of your career, and with gymnasts, usually know that unless you have another plan and you're, you're deciding to go to the Olympics after most people make that decision before. And, you know, oh, they okay. kind of see that it's coming to an end because usually you decide before you get to college, you're like, Oh, I'm going to go the Olympic route, or I'm going to go the career route. And some people who go to the Olympics come to college after, cause they don't go pro. But gotcha. then if you go to college, it's, it's very hard to go pro after. Um, it's just, difficulty in gymnastics, you know, it, it gets harder every year. And then also our bodies, you know, we've been doing it. Say five years old, you've been pounding, pounding, pounding. You know, it's really hard to carry it on something like that. So Olympics isn't in my future. Um, There are a lot of things I would love to try. I wanted to get into stunt doubling or Mm. Cirque du Soleil. Uh, I would love to try those. And then I'm currently coaching now. At Sun Country. So, also maybe coaching collegiate gymnastics would be, you know, I think it is a huge goal of mine, but it's just figuring out what I can do when, because they all are kind of, you know, I got to be in one spot to do that thing.
1: Absolutely. What is is stunt doubles a common career path for gymnasts?
3: (laughs) I don't know that it's common. Oh, I, do, man, I do. I do mean, know sense. that. That's I do know I'm five girls.
1: You. That's
3: dope. Yeah, no, no. I know five girls that have gone on to do stunt doubling just, you know, for fun. And I think I know one that has currently made a career out of it. The other wow. girls I know that they've done it on, uh, you know, on the side, on, you know, while they're coaching or while they're doing something else. But I think it's really cool. I, I one of them had posted something and I was like, wow, I think that's something that I may want to do. Especially, you know, flipping is in my background or falling, you know, safely is something that I can do and I'm capable of. And it's something I'd like to try while I'm still capable.
1: Yeah, that sounds fun. Um, Getting paid to flip. It sounds like a great job. (laughs) I'm
3: telling
1: you. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Well, hey, uh,
0: Alicia, you know, tell us where we can find you at, Uh, you know, like social media and
3: stuff. On social media? My Instagram is my first name underscore last name, so it's Alicia underscore Boren. And my Facebook is Alicia Boren, and that's really the only two things I use.
1: That's what's up. We're, we're going to follow you. Uh, if you. If you ever start doubling, you make sure you let us know. I want to hey check in hey some movies.
0: I'm trying to tell you. I'm going <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> to right out into the movie. <laughs> hey, yo, by,
0: by, the way, by the way, everyone, uh, my eight year old, Amaya, um, Alicia helps coaches coach her a little bit. So, you know, hopefully, maybe one day she can uh, be aspiring be great, a gator great, just like you.
1: So we appreciate you. Yes.
3: Yeah,
2: of course. Of uh, course. It's my pleasure. I love it.
3: Thanks for hanging out with
2: us. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. What well, bye, man? Very good.
1: Real cool. Alicia Bourne. Interesting, yeah. man. A lot, I learned a lot, man. Gymnasts sure. are, are elite athletes. Absolutely.
2: Definitely. And she's... 17 times more an All-American than Ahmad. That's what yeah. I
1: learned today. Just flexing on him. Just flexing yeah, on him. Flexing on me big time. I can't, you know. I can't. I, can't I ain't want to give her my, my, you know. She you don't know. even know I'm All-American. I had to save that. Yeah. Next time she
0: no, come uh, on, I
4: let
1: her know. I don't, Look, we telling her that many times. I ain't even want to tell her
0: I
2: was All-American. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I kept my uh, mouth shut. I ain't wanna, you know. No, that's crazy. You know, I, you you learn something new whenever you bring somebody, you know, on the show and, and I've watched gymnastics and, and I would go to a couple meets when I was, you know, back in Gainesville. But uh, you, I usually just watch the Olympics, you know, or I watch gymnastics a lot during the Olympics and I didn't even realize yeah, I guess it makes uh, a lot of sense that, you know, college is kind of their last and final hurrah. I mean yeah, I was like fifteen you yeah. Know, but, yeah. But you know, it's crazy to think about you spent your entire life and for a lot of people, you know, college is, you know, that opportunity to get to that next professional level, whereas it almost seems like gymnastics is kind of your last opportunity to showcase before you ride off into the sunset and do something else. So I certainly wish her the best of luck. Um, national champion. So A whole lot of national
1: champions, man. Um, we'll get to some recruiting talks. So before we get deep into the gate of recruiting talk, let's get my man Steve Wiltfong on to chop it up about some. 247 updates in the rankings.
0: You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale.
1: First time on Stadium and Gale. We got the crystal ball done. Steve Wilfong himself. Wilfong, what's going on, man?
4: Gentlemen doing well not doing as well as the Gators, number eight recruiting class in the country on the 24-7 Sports Network.
1: We doing all right for ourselves, man. We got some some updates going on. My man Gervon Dex is a five star now. What took so long?
4: Well, he was always in that range, you know, top thirty-two is gonna be a five star on twenty-four-seven sports, and he's been in that he's been in that range for a long time. I understand y'all like seeing that fifth star in there, but we don't like taking that fifth star away. Unfortunately, we did that uh, with one kid this, this cycle. We, we don't like doing that. So we, we took our time, waded through the uh, all America Bowl uh, and Under Armour game, and, and Gervon had a terrific senior year and then did his thing at Under Armour, and now you see him as the number six player in the country.
1: My man Trevon Johnson, uh, defensive back out of um, Boston Trail, had a big jump this, this entire fall. Um, what, what do you think we're getting out of him and, and why you think he rose so much?
4: Well, I think with Chavez, you're getting a, a physical, versatile uh, defensive back that can do a lot of things in the secondary. I think he's one of the uh, more sure things in this class for Florida. A guy that's going to be a very successful player in Gainesville and help keep this defense playing at a high level. And hey, then four, oh, go go ahead. ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Dan.
2: So, Steve, I, I've got a question. This is Dan. Um, so I know, and I'm not What's sure that, how man? you guys do it, I think you guys have, I guess, a panel that you guys, uh, of you guys that are, are national recruiting scouts and, and analysts that uh, will, will look and evaluate at all the players. And when you sit down at the uh, the coffee table to, to rank one through two, four, seven, and then beyond, is there any player that you were really high on that, that's committed to the Gators or that the Gators are involved in that maybe others in your group weren't as high on that, that you feel... Uh, that Florida's maybe getting a, a player that is maybe a little bit underrated right now?
4: Well, um, I, I, you know, when you look at Florida's class, there's a lot of a lot of guys in here that we like. It's more of a – sometimes it's uh, – you know, it's tough to slot these guys, you know, because sometimes you're splitting hairs. Um, you know, with Gervon Dexter, I mean, he's a guy – he's so raw still. I mean, it, not only is he a dominant football player right now, at the line of scrimmage Uh, but he hasn't even he's not even playing with the right technique half the time you know wait till he learns how to actually play defensive line with his quickness and and the leverage he plays with he plays with terrific leverage Uh, uh, um, Derek Wingo's guy that um, he was in our five-star conversation finished just outside it um, but uh, he, he's a guy that does all the little things, in addition to being a, 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 ter- a terrific uh, pass rush candidate uh, from that second level. He at the All-America Bowl. He earned a lot of praise for just being able to set the edge and, and do what his assignment was. So one of the more intriguing guys in this Florida class for me is Mordecai McDaniel out of Washington, D.C., St. John's, who's also going to run track in Florida. He's one of the more physically gifted uh, players in the secondary in, in this class. He has a huge upside. If you watch Washington, D.C., St. John's, he's sometimes, he's their best special teams player uh, at times, and, and so he makes an impact in a lot of ways, uh, has a great body type, and, and I look forward to seeing how he blossoms. But there wasn't any really uh, knockdown dragout drag-out fights with the Florida recruits uh, in our uh, meetings. Um, I, I think the guy that maybe had the greatest debate Was uh, Xavier Henderson, because when you look at the top 10 or 11 receivers in this class, you can make a case. If you were arguing for those guys, you can make a good argument that they're five stars. Like you could, you can make an argument that Xavier Henderson's a, a five star, and no one could call you crazy. I mean, you put on his film, and he's he is a difference maker for Miami Columbus on both sides of the ball. Obviously, he's a big play guy at receiver. And then on defense, he'll hit you. He'll come down and fill an alley, and he'll he'll also, you know, take the ball away. And so uh, slotting these receivers was was one of the toughest assignments this cycle in, in trying to get them into an order that we believe in. Hey,
1: Steve, um, Fro was able to get some traction on some five-star kids, whether it's through the portal. And also got Gravon Dexter and some borderline guys like Wingo and uh, Xavier Henderson. Where you see them trending um, going forward with the staff? And they, I, Dan Mullen's not known for being an elite recruiter. How do you see these guys trending or getting better?
4: I mean, Dan Mullen is, is known for being an elite coach, though. And, uh, I mean, there was another 11-win season this year. And uh, they played Georgia tougher this past year than they did the year before, right? correct right so th- that's a ball game if you win that ball game all of a sudden you're in the SEC title game with a chance to go to the college football playoffs so the Gators are knocking on the door right now and uh they 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 return an experienced quarterback next year they, they have a talented quarterback room uh, bringing back some some key pieces on the offensive line and uh, uh um, I, I think defensively you know, we'll see if some of these young guys can, can come in and, and keep the standard going because uh, they do lose some key pieces uh, in, in the front seven. Uh, so uh, it'd be interesting to see uh, what a Gervon Dexter or Derek Wingo uh, can, can give them next year and, and then obviously seeing how some of these other uh, young guys develop.
1: And another question I have uh, before I pass back over to Dan. My man Cedric Van Pram made a huge jump on the 247. uh rankings what do you see any potential way he flips from uh, Georgia
4: right now you know everybody I talk to about Van Prans recruitment he seems to be as uh, locked into the Georgia as you can be while still taking official visits you know I never rule anything out uh, and obviously he's coming to Gainesville this weekend but I haven't heard anything yet to make me believe that he's going to flip
1: very good and then Avante Williams Everything's everything there? We good?
4: Yeah, so uh, obviously, my crystal ball is with obviously my crystal ball right now is with Florida. I'm getting a little bit of conflicted info there, uh, but the intel uh, is still best with the Gators. Um, yeah, you know, I do think Miami's made it interesting at the very least, and they're in it. and He has legit interest in the Hurricanes and has a really good relationship with Miami staff. Uh, but I think Florida's got a lot going for it in that recruitment as well. And, and so um, Florida's my pick right now, but I always reserve the right to change my mind.
2: Right. <laughs> Classic answer. Uh, so Florida's also, and I'm going to mess up his last name, and I hope that you can you can help me here. Uh, so Princely Uman Like right, close enough?
4: Yeah. I, I mean, I know who you're talking about, right? Oh, there you go. So go, um, uh, so, they, so they, they, go ahead. No, I was going to say, yeah, uh, Florida obviously hosted him uh, on an official visit last last weekend. And that's a visit that's been early uh, because talking to sources behind the scenes, uh, Florida is a, a school that has been mentioned that he has very high interest in. I thought before Matt Rule took that Carolina Panthers job that he was going to uh, go to Baylor, but Florida was still that school that I was looking at that could potentially flip it. Now you got them going to Auburn next weekend, and, and I know y'all know that Rodney Garner, Auburn's defensive line coach, does a terrific job, and, and so uh, I, I think Auburn's got a chance to move the needle there uh, with with Princely as well. I'm not real sure yet uh, where things fit with with Coach Aranda. He could have went back to Baylor. A coaching change allows you to to go back to a, a school you had already taken an official to. Um, but uh, I, I think Florida's in this recruitment. Um, I, I don't necessarily know where it's, where it's going to drop
2: right now, though. Okay, perfect. And then um, Jameer Gibbs, obviously probably the top of Florida's remaining uh, running back board right now, highly ranked guy, uh, committed to Georgia Tech, visited Florida officially. Uh, you getting any vibes that Florida's in the picture there, or do you still uh, think he's going to sign with Georgia Tech?
4: So I've yet to hear anything that's going to make me think that he's going to flip, um, but I wouldn't say that I like like I think Cedric Van Pran is more likely to stick than Gibbs. Uh, that's that doesn't mean I'm like predicting a Gibbs flip. I'm just trying to like kind of give y'all a pecking order on yeah. Uh, and who, yeah, who would be more likely. Uh, but uh, I think that Gibbs is a home a home body. Uh, that's been something that's been mentioned the whole time. And getting a chance to play for a brand new coaching staff at Georgia Tech has got a lot of juice to them. I mean, being recruited by Chasard Choice—I don't know if all your oh, listeners yeah. know who Cheshard Choice is, but we do. And uh, you walk into that Georgia Tech football facility, and you can't—I mean, you know that Chasard Choice was a great player before he even he even stands in front of you, and, and so and, and played running back, and so. Um, I, I and Georgia Tech getting the last official visit too, so um i like georgia tech to keep him um uh, but i do think that he's genuinely interested in florida and likes the way that dan mullen develops players on that side of the ball and and he saw a lot of success uh out of that running back room and and sees an opportunity to be dynamic in florida's offense very good
2: and then i guess my last question about florida's class is it was one of the other guys that they're they're really going to hone in on and I think Florida thinks that they got a good chance with his D back with out of Florence, Alabama. Uh, what can you tell us about D? I think that you know Florida likes the way that you know he fits into that Kyle Pitts position. What are your thoughts on him? You guys have him ranked as a three star, um, number eighteen overall. Uh, he's a four um,
3: with
2: us. Uh, is it four? Oh, is a four? I guess he, this is composite. Sorry. Uh, so obviously, yeah. you guys have him ranked a little bit higher than than some of the other folks uh, do national or uh, in in other services. What do you like about him, and how do you think he fits in with uh, with Florida's offense?
4: Well, he's uber-athletic for being 6'4", 215. He's a guy that could uh, potentially play football and basketball in college. You got Florida, you got Tennessee, and you got Kentucky in this thing. And I talk to some people that think that he likes Florida the best, but it, uh, I, I, I'm not necessarily sure that everybody's on the same page with that, uh, not in a bad way. Uh, but I, I just think that there's people – in his family that maybe uh, would prefer a, a, another place. And and so um, this one I'm, I'm told is, is a complete toss up right now. Uh, but I, I do think that with DeMarcus, he really likes Florida and, and is coming off a good official visit. And I could see him in the Gators class. And then just as a prospect, I mean, he's got a high, high ceiling um, just because of how athletic he is. And, and maybe he grows into a tight end and and, and maybe, becomes a Kyle Pitts type player. Um, either I, I call them all pass catchers now. I mean, he's got a chance to be a real mismatch and a real problem for defenses with his skill set. Interesting.
2: Okay. Um, I guess, and this is just a different question, just because we're, uh you're in the industry and, and we're getting around to that time where you know a lot of folks that cover uh, the Super Bowl folks like Darren Ravel kind of remind about this one random player that was a zero star or two star player. Does it bother you that often during this time of year, they talk about how, you know, one or two or three guys maybe were unranked and kind of missed by the recruiting services or, or how do you guys, you know, take that? And I I guess, you know, how do you, what are your thoughts when you, when you hear that?
4: Well, it bothers me when smart people talk about it because, If you follow recruiting, you know that the five stars have a much better percentage of making it to the NFL Mm -hmm. than the four four stars, and the four stars have a much better percentage of making it to the NFL than the three stars and 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 so forth. And I think that we've even gotten better at it uh, with with all the opportunities to see best on best. If you kind of look at the basketball rankings, and this is just me speculating because I haven't done any kind of deep dive. But with all the AAU basketball tournaments, you get to see the best players play against the best players. So ranking ranking those guys is a little bit easier. Uh, with football, we're getting more of that um, with this, with the seven-on-seven seven and the All-America Bowls and, and the opening finals and, and uh, all of those things. And then we're also seeing these high school football games where a team from Florida is playing against teams from California. We're seeing powerhouses. Uh, go against each other so we're even seeing it in in, in that kind of setting it, it's it's getting a little easier to uh, rank some of these guys or at least we're having we have more information i shouldn't say it's it, it, it's getting easier um but but sure um football is a developmental game right so there's always going to be there's always going to be young men that their nuts haven't dropped yet or, <laughs> Or, or they just were overlooked for whatever reason, right? And, and they get into the right situation in college, and and they blossom. Um, you know, I would venture to say that most of those guys uh, that uh, they're being pointed out for being no star recruits or or two star recruits. Um, we're probably overlooked by some of the best uh, football coaches in college football, sure? as well as the recruiting industry. You know, I mean that guy's playing in the Super Bowl. He could have played at Alabama, right?
3: I mean, sure. In
4: the Super Bowl, <laughs> he could have played. It. He co-played for Clemson, I would think. Yeah. Um, you know, and and so I mean, he's in the damn Super Bowl. So, I think uh, one of the things you know, that
2: that that I chuckle at is every once in a while you'll see. Well, look at all these players that were ranked me or, you know, right ahead of this one player, and they usually pick a very you know, abstract person. And they're like, wow, this person was ranked as the 26th best quarterback. And look at all these that didn't make the Super Bowl. And it's like, well, when you consider that there is probably no less than 30 or 40,000 high school senior quarterbacks to be ranked 26th, it's pretty damn close, anyway, right? So um, I think it's funny well, how now
4: you're speaking my language.
2: Yeah, <laughs> now you're
4: speaking my language on days like today, when we when we drop our new rankings, and, and you know, people think that we're being disrespectful to these kids, and we like them, man. I mean, we like a three-star. Who's the most guy, annoying man, fan base? <laughs> uh, I, I'm I'm staying away from that because I, like <laughs> I mean, like, like, yeah, like, it's but, dope no, for real. Like, I, I'm for real. Like, even like. Like I like going to our Florida board and them challenging me, you know, because uh, the readers of 24/7 Sports I will call them the the 85ers. They know all 85 dudes on scholarship on their favorite football team. They're invested emotionally. A lot of them invest, uh, you know, buying tickets and the merchandise and and traveling the games home and away, and, and and they love their football teams, And and I love the passion. Doesn't mean that we're not going to debate about it a little bit, but. But I certainly say bring it on. And so when you're questioning us on the ranking of a kid, I, I I certainly embrace it and like it and enjoy it. But at the same time, I hope they don't think that we're being disrespectful. We still, you know, a three star to us. What is your uh, um it, it we see as a power five starter for two yeah, years? Yeah,
1: that's a good that's a good that's a good uh, point. Uh what is your what is your um your your stance or your your take behind Leonard Manuel and his ranking? And what do you, how do you think he, he, he ends up?
4: Well, I hope he proves this wrong. And, and, uh, you know, goes on to be a guy that blossoms into an NFL draft pick right now. We just have, we have him ranked as a guy that's got a chance to be an impact player in college, um, as a high three-star and, and Leonard Manuel is a guy that jumped on our radar early. I mean, he, and, uh, was a guy that had offers early and, uh, i think a lot of people were projecting him to blossom into you know one of the more physically imposing receivers in this class and his trajectory didn't meet that those early expectations not that he's a you know a prospect that's not worthy of power five offers because he is but you know when you look at the top receivers in the country you know, you put on Leonard Manuel's film, and you put on Xavier Henderson's film. There's a difference. You know what I'm saying? And and uh, yeah, um, but uh, and or at least to us right now, you know. But you you never know how they're going to blossom in college. But um, uh, for us, Xavier or for us, Leonard Manuel, um, not much verified athleticism out there. Um, and and uh, seeing him in some off season events, he didn't perform. Uh, to a level uh, that would that would have us keep them, keep us in our top 100 but at the same time I, you know it kind of you know I'm not, it sucks talking about it you know what I'm saying because I'm not trying to say you yeah. know I'm rooting for him to I'm rooting for him to go out there and do his thing in college and, and and get drafted and 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 achieve everything he wants to do and he's got the traits to do it uh, we just think that it's more of a—it's not as much a sure thing as it is for some other guys. Hey, Steve, I've—I've got, I've
2: got a question just on rankings overall, and and kind of how you guys do them. And this might be a uh, an algorithmic type answer from you, but are you guys basing them based on? the performance that you've seen thus far, the measurables that they have thus far, is part of it, a projection into the future of, and I know that you mentioned that, you know, five-star guys are contributors and likely NFL players, you know, three-star guys are two-year contributors. But what's the percentage when you guys are looking at, well, where are they now to where are they going to be in the future? And are these grades more future grades than they are present grades? Or can you maybe go into a little bit about, you know, kind of that secret sauce there?
4: Well, for us, um, a five star is a guy that we think is going to be a first round pick. We got thirty two of them, and uh, we could we could have named four or five more five stars and, and 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 given ourselves more leash um, to to just say, hey, we were right down the road. We made Derek Wingo a five star, but we had to cap it at thirty two um, just to be fair to our process, and and then. You know if we have you ranked in the 70s um, that means we kind of have you projected as a third round blossoming into a third round pick uh, which is a huge compliment and uh, um, four stars a guy that we feel has got a really good shot to get drafted and, and, and three star and obviously there's there's in the all of these grades uh, but the higher the three star the the more that we expect you to be an all-conference caliber player and and have a chance to make an NFL roster as well. Um, and in our rankings, it, it starts with the film and, and a lot of live evals. You know, we're we're fortunate enough. We got a big staff at 24/7 Sports. We got guys going out and seeing games every Friday. That's another thing that kind of annoys me sometimes when readers say that we're not taking into account full games or or you know, we're we're seeing these kids as much as anybody uh, from a staff standpoint. Um, and, and uh, uh um, so it starts with that, but then obviously we love multi-sport kids. I mean, if you look at the guys getting drafted, typically, if you're playing in the NFL, you roll out of bed and you're good at some other stuff, you know, and, and in, in high school, uh, wrestling, track and field, basketball, uh, baseball, um, you know, we just want to see some alpha personalities and, and some guys flourish in other sports, um. Uh, yeah, testing, verified athleticism is big for us um, because, you yeah, know, I once heard people say, or I heard one coach say, I, I hear my peers say, that guy's a combine guy, that guy's a combine guy. I don't, uh, he's just a combine guy. I'm not sure if he can play football, but um, almost everybody in the NFL is a combine guy, right? They all go to the combine and perform well. Mm-hmm. Uh, And so that that athleticism is big for us too.
2: So, Steve, then I've got a question, and this is a a question that we've kind of hotly debated on this show for the last eight months or so and had a variety of different opinions. And I know that 247 and, uh, you know, your industry rely a lot on being able to go to camps and doing these seven-on-seven tournaments. But sometimes that does conflict with, you know, track season or baseball season or basketball season or some other things that, you know, these folks might be doing. How do you guys take that into consideration Um, you know, if somebody, you know, I know that you said that you want them to be multi-sport athletes, but sometimes being a multi-sport athlete hinders their ability to get noticed, uh, by folks like you, how do you potentially deal with a situation like that?
4: It kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. If you are a highly ranked high school football prospect that we project has a good chance to play in the NFL, there's a good chance you can roll out of bed and just play on the varsity basketball team. Um, without having to dedicate as much time to it or you're one of the top sprinters in the school or you're one of the best wrestlers um, or or you're a gifted baseball player. Uh, I I think I haven't run into, I'm I'm kind of struggling to enunciate this, but I, I don't, I don't feel like we, if we don't see a kid in the, in the spring, is this what you're asking me because he's got a baseball or, or an AAU basketball game, or whatever we we like we like that. Is that what you're asking me?
2: Yeah, I guess I'm just more, you know, you know, because like there the kid is a
4: got 1,300 yards receiving. If the kids got 1,300 yards receiving, ran four 4 at the opening, and um, uh, long jumps 23 feet and uh, averages 20 and 10 in basketball, like Julian and Fleming. How many times do we got to see them? To I mean. I've only seen Julian Fleming live twice, but how many times do I got to see him to know that he's special? Absolutely.
2: And, and I don't I have as much of an opinion on this because I played hockey for 12 years I didn't play football, but a lot of the debate that we've had, you know, on this show is, is it better for an athlete, you know, a football player in particular to continue to work on, you know, obviously you have, you know, your fall uh, you know, your fall season, then you, you know, you usually have a small AAU, or not AAU, A or an AU a seven on seven season, then you have your spring season, and then you kinda of have your camp in, in more seven on seven season. Or do we want, you know, our players to then be and I and I I'm guessing what your answer is, you know, to be more involved in basketball or baseball or track or some other sport. You know, whereas maybe they're not getting as much football time. They are getting more well rounded in other sports or building, you know, different skill sets. And I was just curious how you know, an industry that does rely a lot on trying to be able to see as many kids as often as you can, and I've been to a lot of camps that you guys are at. Um, you know, trying to be able to to get that one guy that one time, or you know, try to see him as many times as you can. That if they're not there as often, where that might affect the way that they either get ranked or the you know the way that you guys are able to evaluate them. So it's just a you know obviously a debate that you know probably doesn't have a right answer or wrong answer as much as it is just
4: you know, do what's best for you. The debate's mostly for the skilled players, right? Because the the hog mollies ain't out there playing seven on seven. So um, most skilled players, the the multi-sport that typically goes hand in hand for them is track. And track allows, you know, track doesn't typically get in the way of seven on seven. And and so a young man can win the state championship in the hundred meter dash flourish for his seven on seven program and and so we can see a young man like that uh, a ton it's the kids that it's the kids that are really good baseball players that it's sometimes a struggle to like know if he's the fifth best receiver 12th best receiver in the country but we know he's really good you know what i'm saying so it's yeah, yeah. We wish we could see him more, but at the same time, man, you're only in high school one time. You want to play baseball and you're really good at it. Go do it. You know, Um, we're, we'll get an opportunity to see you at some point to compare and contrast. If that makes sense.
1: Absolutely does. Hey, Steve, I appreciate you for giving us your time, man. Um, I know you're busy man. I know your mentions are uh, in shambles yeah. after the updates, man. But I appreciate you.
4: Look, yeah, you've always been good to me, man. So, I appreciate it.
1: Already, man. Thanks a lot, man. Till next time. Yep. <laughs> yep. Steve Will the crystal ball done, man. That's my dude. Shout out to um, Steve Will phone. Hey, Dan tried to apply some pressure to my dog a little bit there. I see yeah. what you did there, Dan. He handled himself well, though. He, yeah, that man yeah. stood in the paint with Dan yeah, he's ready for national because he heard about Dan in these streets. Yeah. I could tell He's prepared.
2: No, I didn't mean to a, as much apply pressure as it is. I mean, it's obviously you know, a huge logistics issue. If you have x number of employees that are going out to watch, you know a certain number of seven on seven camps and a certain number of um, you know tournaments and everything else, there's only a certain number of eyeballs that you can have on a guy. so, you know, we can encourage a guy to go play basketball, baseball, track, you know, do whatever. But, you know, at the end of the day, if they don't get eyeballs on him, it's going to be tough to evaluate. So, I mean, that's that's my question. And, you know, how can you accurately rate somebody, but also at the same time encourage just, them to, to do so all large these based on, sports? Yeah. yeah, they use the
1: schools and the recruiters as well. They see who right. offer who and say, oh, we should start watching this guy. Like Travez Johnson right. was a the guy they had not put their eyes on, like you said. They had no idea what, what what his ability was. He had a ranking, but he wasn't like ranked correctly until they got their eyes on him and seen a lot of them because a the school like University of Florida has offered him. That's why you gotta kind of chill until, you know, when teams first offer somebody, you gotta see if they have beating the evals. Uh, check no, and See if they've been to camps. So maybe they haven't just had any eyes on them yet, man, but they got Travez Johnson's um, ranking correct. There's nobody really I'm mad about this. Cycle. Mm-hmm. I think Derek Wingo should have been a a, a consensus five-star. I I agree. He's that good. But um, there's nobody I'm terribly mad at. They got uh, Gravon Wright. Mm -hmm. That was egregious. I don't know what they was waiting on this entire cycle. (laughs) A a blind man knows knows that that by by handshake that Mm -hmm. that kid's a five-star.
2: Yeah, I think I read somewhere that they said Trevon Johnson was the highest jumping, like in terms of number number of recruiting spots, Uh, SEC player, power five player. Either it was one or the other, but uh, just an incredible jump by Travis Johnson and a great uh, great um, job by Florida to evaluate and the get player, him early. kid's good. The kid is good. But uh, it was always good to get on with Steve Wilfong, and, and we appreciate him coming on the show. Looking forward to having him back on in the future. Uh, but this segment, my favorite time of the week, is Dandy Facts. And Dandy Facts this week is sponsored by our friends over at South George Pecan Company. Give them a call, 800-732-2646. It's Valentine's Day in like two weeks, a little bit more than two weeks. Um, looking for a unique present. Looking for some different ideas. Some pecans for significant others. Almonds, the granola, the cashews.
0: Give the nuts that. and
2: nut campaign that we <laughs> started last week. Whatever you guys want, give them a call, 800-732-2646. And you can visit them at georgiapecan.com. So, Dandy Factor this week, it's going to lead into a little bit of a different discussion as well, is the XFL roster's got finalized. The XFL is going to start uh, a week after uh, the Super Bowl on, uh, on February 8th. But the Gators have the second most players on an XFL roster. So, not sure if that's great. It's not bad. It's great. Um, hey, man, know, people, got job yeah, people got jobs. Yeah, people got jobs. I pay the bills. Um, yeah, absolutely. Five, got the of bills. Them, five of them ended up um, here in Tampa. So, uh, the, like I said, the uh, the roster's got finalized. Looking forward to seeing how this works out. Hopefully it has uh, better success than the XFL did the first time, and certainly the AAF did. But Antonio Callaway uh, was kind of a late add to the roster uh, over there in Tampa. He's going to make the final roster. I he's using this as an opportunity to get to the next level, uh, back to the next level. Mac Brown, a uh, guy who played five years in the NFL, uh, running back, um, guy that I actually saw commit, I uh, got to report that was that first piece of breaking news ever on Twitter. Uh, was when Mac Brown committed to uh, to the game, <laughs> but uh, but good luck to him. I had just left the recruiting staff, we had Friday night lights. Uh, Urban snuck me on the field, and I was just hanging there. And uh, Mac Brown says, I'm ready, and Urban said, You ready to do this? He's like, Yep, and he gave him about the biggest hug you can ever imagine. And that's when Ronald Powell showed up, too. So, um, Martez Ivy, uh, you know, a guy that uh, you know, had a kind of up and down, uh, you know, time over at UF is going to look for uh, an opportunity to get an NFL tryout. DeAndre Goolsby, a uh, tight end, uh, you know, bounced around a couple different teams uh, in the NFL, uh, Jaguars, Lions, a few others. I know that he got injured uh, as well. And then C.C. Jefferson, a guy, uh, you know, who's, who's also looking for that uh, that opportunity. Uh, Will Hill, blast from the past, uh, is going to be with Ooh. the St. Louis Battlehawks Hawks uh, along with Matt Jones. That's I know gonna hill about yeah, Will Hill's been out of the NFL for a few years now, so he's gonna be looking for you know potentially an opportunity. It looks like he was last in the NFL in 2015, so um, man, it's five years he's ago. He's been so, chilling. Yeah, I, I don't know. And I, you know, hey, you know, that's yeah. To keep yourself in that kind of physical shape, I I don't know what he's been doing, but the five years <laughs> to get back to get back. Uh, here's another name, guy that really started off his NFL career strong and, uh, you know, unfortunately faded away a little bit, is Matt Jones, uh, who got released in 2017. Uh, he's also joined that St. Louis Battlehawks team. Uh, the D.C. Defenders is Stadium and Gale alum Matt Elam. So Matt Elam drafted in 2013. Um
3: the Yeah, was in the, uh, yeah,
2: was in the NFL death. for a few years. Um, you know, got brought around back uh, to Gainesville, what, a few years ago um you know did a pro day tryout type deal there uh he's he's gonna gonna work and you know hopefully you know this could be a next opportunity for him but like you guys said you know the opportunity for these guys to get a paycheck and play the sport that they love and you know in a well-funded league you know certainly root for all of them so tampa bay vipers st louis Battlehawks, and dc defenders are your teams with florida gators on them if you're looking for a team to root for
1: yeah, I'm not really looking for a team to root for. <laughs>
2: yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't want to get
1: comfortable. I don't know right. if these people are gonna be around long. You know, these leagues you, you, yeah,
0: you, know, gotcha. you
1: start liking them and they gone.
0: No, just tell me this one thing, Dan. Yeah, are they doing a forty yard dash to see who get ball first?
2: No, I think they're trying to make it a little bit more sophisticated now, which I which I think is absurd. You know, let's try to be a little bit different. Let's uh, let's do that forty yard dash.
0: Uh, let's, let's get goofy. A little bit
2: of the WWE, huh. in, you know? Yeah,
0: uh, but, but nah, but no, Dan. Like people want. We want a league that's that's
2: similar to the NFL as as, as close as it can possibly be. All right? I think I think people do, but I think people want things a little bit different. Number one, they want to know what a catch is. Um, two, I that's think they would love to they that would love to get rid of kickers. I think a league without kickers, as much as I love you know the Townsends and Sturgis and the rest of them, I need somebody like, to be mad at. I think a, bad, that, that, I think that, that, a <laughs> league without kickers. Cause that's pretty that's what, sweet because oh, you know if your
0: team miss a last minute field goal to make one. The
1: foot never hits the ball. You really can't call it football. That's what I'm saying. So,
0: hi. Yeah, very good. Yeah.
1: And so, you know, what, what wrestling ball? What? Yeah, we just took them people sport already and renamed it, man. So
0: You feel me? So,
2: well, so here here we are, right? So, we have the XFL, which is going to be in the, the spring and, and winter, right? Uh, mm-hmm. or, yeah, spring and whenever it goes until. Um, and then you have the NFL in the fall. What would you guys do differently to separate the XFL? Obviously, the talent level is going to be different. What would you do if you were going to create a league to compete with the NFL to try to, you know, attract viewers? Because I feel like a lot of people are a little—I don't want to say they're over football, but I think that they've, you know, certainly gotten their fair share for the the previous five months. What are you guys going to do, or what would you guys do to attract eyeballs to uh, to your sport?
0: Well, I'll definitely, you know, like do like what the XFL is doing. Um, They're getting some somewhat household names to get in there um, to give people another opportunity to see these guys uh go out and perform, and you know, play the game that they they love. I mean, you know, it's, it's, some people get burnt out with football, but then some people will not. You know, so um, you know, just like again, giving these kids another opportunity to to put uh, food on their tables and be able to provide for their families. Um, in the in the meantime, you know, do something they like to do. So, um, you know, I don't know too much. You you know, I would do to as far as changing rules and whatnot, but you know, I do anything to wear uniforms, to you know, all kind of different tactics just to. To, to try to get people there, but you know, as far as changing the rules and whatnot, I still kind of want to keep it similar because now you change the rules of the game that kids grew up their whole lives playing, you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, um, yeah I think you got to go somewhat like, uh, like you got to change a few of the rules, I would think, in my opinion, just to like something you got to find something people don't like about the NFL and kind of uh, e- exert that into um, your league. I would try to cut down on like the 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 viewing times, um, the penalties, um, make it more physical than the NFL. I mean, it's probably dangerous, <laughs> but uh, you gotta do something <laughs> to stand out. But I mean, that's the only thing that's gonna really like make you stand out from the NFL at this point. That the league is really not that physical because of um, health reasons <laughs> and money reasons. But I think that's the only way you can really like keep up with the NFL.
2: Ahmad, and I know that you. We've talked a little bit about this it, on the show, and you were kind of ready to to take that next step in your life after your your years with the Bucks. Would you have ever considered playing in uh, in a league like the XFL if it was around uh, right around the time that you retired?
0: Um, not really, bro. I, you know, by the time I I was done, I mean, I kind of wanted to get back in, you know, for a little while. Um, you know, it was just ultimately, uh, I, you know, I love the game of football, but I just felt like I gave it enough, you know, so. Uh, me personally, I, I I probably wouldn't have um, tried to go on and, and play in another league or anything like that. Just just sort of the simple fact that I think I, you know, what I accomplished, I'm satisfied with. Yeah, very good. Yeah,
2: I don't know what I would change. I, I think, um, you know, identifying what some of these rules are. I like some of the things that the, uh, the CFL has in place, like having players in motion uh you know some of the eligible receiver you know rules i think can get to be a little you know, a little shoddy and you know sometimes you know slow the the, the pace down uh, but i wish the xfl luck i know they're trying to do it a little bit more nfl like and i think that that's gonna be maybe a potential part of their fall i think trying to duplicate something that has been around for so long and does so well is it's one thing in order to be something different and something to attract eyeballs. Because I do think a lot of people get burnt out or fatigued, or it's just another team to root for. That I think they're going to face a, a really strong uphill battle, you know, right away. Just because people are afraid that their favorite team is going to go away. You know, the AAF, you know, had yep. you know the Orlando Apollos that everybody was all in favor for, and then four weeks later they're gone, right? And you know, yep. last time we had the XFL and they were gone after what a season or two. So you know, I think in order to to create that excitement. They didn't really do anything other than bring some of these former players back that, you know, maybe couldn't make in the NFL or are looking for that next opportunity to get back, which I think is fine from a talent perspective, but I think from a game perspective, you have to try to do something a little bit different to to keep it from just being, you know, fatigued. Because as much as we love football and as much as I love football, you know, watching it for, you know, nine months at three, four hours a piece, you know, one or two days a week at least, if not more, you know, can definitely add up. And you gotta do something to to keep those eyeballs on. That's my opinion.
1: Yeah, I mean they probably could spice up the halftime performances and stuff like that. I'd do something wild, like throw a concert every halftime or something crazy, you know what I'm saying? That's just me. We gotta entertain people. People wanna be entertained. But let's get into some gator news, uh-huh. man. We had a big commit we had a big recruiting weekend last weekend. Uh, a lot of official visits, uh, a lot of big names, especially on the running back board with Jameer Gibbs coming in the building, uh, a Clayton. But well, we also got a commit from my man, uh, Justin Short, a former five-star wide receiver uh, and also Penn State wide receiver. Dan,
2: opinion. Yeah. Uh, obviously something that we talked about uh, a lot. Uh, we said that if he wanted to be a Gator and, Florida wanted him to be a Gator. They were going to figure it out. Uh, you know, the, I'm still, you know, wondering why it took this long. Um, you know, having a, an entire semester off, especially when Florida could really use him, uh, because they are going to be replacing a lot of folks. And even if he's not, you know, able to play next season, it's always great to be able to get that opportunity. You know, for somebody to learn the playbook and um, you know, get some time in the orange and blue debut. Uh, but you know, as, as far as we know, Justin Shorter will be on campus probably summer A. Um, you know, give him an opportunity to, you know, settle out and figure out whatever he has to do. And then, you know, get back into to football shape and be ready to go. But, you know, former five-star guy, there's a reason why he's a five-star, um, you know, Florida really liked him uh, back, uh, you know, when Jim McElwain was here and, um, you know, he's, he's an outstanding player. The biggest thing for him is just keeping his head on straight. And, um, you know, he's got great speed. He's got, uh, you know, what we've seen out of him, um, is that he has all of the tools to be successful. Now it's just a matter of putting it together on the football field.
1: Absolutely. Props to, um, coach Dan Mullen, props to Billy Gonzalez and his staff for, uh, is the immediate need or, 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 for recognizing the need at the wide receiver position and once again, finding, Uh, Somebody through the transfer portal that's highly ranked and highly skilled. They did the same thing with Trayvon Grimes, uh, Jonathan Grenard, and and many others. that that, that, They're doing their thing in the the transfer portal. Um, The wide receiver room is is solidified. We'll see what happens with Leonard Manuel. He's flirting around with Ole Miss. He he just came off an Ole Miss visit and uh, pretty much announced the top two, which he'll decide between us and Ole Miss. I don't even have a feel for it. If I had to make a decision I, I, and just say where I think he'd go today, I'd say Ole Miss. Just um, yeah. just seems like a Lane Kiffin flip. But I think even if he flips, I would love to have Leonard Manuel in this class. But he's a little iffy academic wise. So if he don't make it in, um, our wide receiver room is still solidified with Justin Shorter and especially Xavier Henderson I'm and, and Dequavion Fra- I, Frazier.
0: I, I, and I, I ain't gonna lie either. No disrespect. Hey, you up here choosing out of us and old Miss? We ain't going no, up. Sure, yeah, absolutely, no, man. yeah. Man, you yeah, man. tripping, man. I, man, you tripping, brother? <laughs> if, if you got to even think about that, no disrespect. Take your ass, old Miss. Uh, I'm sorry, you know who, whoever hears this and don't like it, because where I'm from. <laughs> that ain't no competition. So you know if you get I, if you, I, you listen to this and you and you get upset at what I just said,
1: you ain't no real Gator because you know how you know how. <laughs> So but I've seen I've seen these flips before. Uh Lane Kiffin, these are his type of gets. He did the same thing with New Keys Richardson, yeah. who was head to the University of Florida and he flipped them uh last minute for Tennessee. It was just it just felt it just don't, felt don't, like a
0: no disrespect. What happened to New Keys when he went over there? He got spanked by the Gators. So I'm just telling you, there you go.
1: I don't, you know, yeah, that's at least Luke's. keys Luke's got a lot of problems. A lot of, a
2: lot of. has yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> got some yeah. other things on his plate. Got <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah stuff on lot <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I was gonna remember. say I don't think, and I'm not sure the whole Leonard Manuel thing is, uh, you know, totally on on his on his decision. Uh, it's my understanding that he's gonna announce on Wednesday, so the day that you get this podcast, um, whether he's gonna visit Florida uh, this weekend, if he doesn't. You know, I don't imagine him in Gainesville. If he does, I would imagine that means Florida's, you know, probably got a pretty good shot to keep him. You know, I think after last year's debacle uh, with, you know, getting some players committed and, you know, ultimately signing that weren't able to qualify, I don't think that Dan Mullen's re- ready to run that risk, especially with, you know, a couple guys on the board. You're either in, you're out. You know, Florida added Justin Shorter. They also added uh, Pouncey, Jordan Pouncey, uh, the other wide receiver from, from Texas, uh, whose brother also committed. So. You know, Florida added two wide receivers this this class, as well as you know the couple that they got in the signing class. So I think that you know this this is a I think ultimately a Florida decision. If they think he can qualify, I think he ends up at Florida. If they don't think he can qualify, then I think that they just let him go to Ole Miss and you know let them pound their chest and until we play him next season. I
1: don't think anybody's gonna pound their
2: chest
1: at that. Dan, um, I mean, I'm sure Ole Miss will. <laughs> Yeah, if they want to, I guess.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, yeah. they're looking for anything, right? I mean, you know, battling for for fifth place in the SEC West. So uh, he's a good player. Don't get me wrong. I, I still think that he's got uh, you know some some work to do in the classroom. And you know, certainly wish him the best whatever he decides to do.
1: And shout out to the play, cousin Avante Williams, four-star safety out of Deland, Florida. Uh, he was on campus this past weekend. While wow, on campus. Yep. A lot of two four seven crystal balls start rolling in, and also he canceled his Georgia visit this weekend. Coming, what say you, Dave?
2: Uh, big news. I mean, you know, Florida, uh, you know, is is the odds-on favorite to get in. Uh, Lorenzo Lingard um, again, play cousin, real cousin, a cousin. Uh, we don't know. We we'll get. We got. Yeah.
1: We got to talk to the sources. Yeah. We'll find That's out.
2: That's right. Yeah. Well, report back next week, but, uh, no, uh, unbelievable player, I think would be ranked one of the top, you know, five, uh, gets in terms of just overall, you know, star average and everything else, uh, under Dan Mullen's tool or under Dan Mullen's leadership here uh, at Florida, really a dynamic player. And, and, you know, you'd have to give a shout out to Ron English for, for really flipping that room talent wise. I mean, he would really join a really strong class of, of players, uh, you know, added in this, in this class, um at the safety position you know you add in him with you know a richard torrens uh you know who's a guy that you know we talked about a couple weeks ago that you know was Mm -hmm. is considered pretty underrated by by a lot of the folks uh that are um you know that, that follow recruiting probably a little bit closer uh than i do and then who else do we have there we have oh gosh um bad radio Travis Johnson a guy that I know that we're all you know really high on and we think that he's a bit underrated had a huge rise uh in the recruiting rankings uh this season so you know you you add you know somebody like him to that that group now all of a sudden you have you know a number of, of safeties that that should be able to not only be physical play fast play tall uh you know really you know help solidify that position moving forward
1: Absolutely a uh, a real good real good get Larry English has a, uh, did a heck of a job recruiting this cycle. I have no complaints from the guy right now. I would like better safety play on the field, right? But um, recruiting, he's on his thing. Yeah, really I
2: good got Larry again, running. You, you did, you right? did definitely say Larry. Larry English. Um, <laughs> no, so, so so he would be, you know, an outstanding player, would, would add to, uh, you know, Florida's history at, at you know, DBU and in safety positions. So uh, a yeah. super talented guy, uh, you know, number two overall safety in the country from Deland, land, you know, a place that the Gators should recruit well, uh, you know, to be able to get a guy like him who, you know, people had kind of written off, you know, going to Oregon or, or going somewhere else, you know, to land him to, to help solidify the class would be, would be great.
1: Absolutely. How many spots we have, left? How do you think we finish up there? Who
2: do you um, think we finish with? I, 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 I'm not as bullish as some people. Uh, I think we end up with Avante Williams. Uh, I really do think we end up with him. Uh, and then I think we end up with deep Beckwith uh, the the guy from um, who I like a lot uh, from Alabama, who I think you know plays the position you know that you want him to play um you know at that that tight end wide receiver. Uh, you know, just a, just a, a good rangy guy. And then, um, you know, I think that Florida is going to end up with princely, Lee, man Milan, uh, whose name I hope to learn, uh, if he does, uh, commit to the Gators, uh, you know, he visited this past weekend and I think that he had a really good visit. Uh, I know Florida went in home with him either yesterday or today. Uh, it's my understanding that that inter- or that that meeting went really well. Uh, that Florida's um, gotten a sign off from his mom that the distance would be okay. You know, Texas has come in late. Uh, he is from Texas. So, you know, whenever a Texas, you know, native gets recruited by Texas, uh, you know, with Baylor, you know, probably out of the picture now, you, you always just have to be a little weary, but uh, he's a really solid player. Who's a, you know, a good four star top 10, you know, defensive end in the country right now, but he's definitely one of those players that I can see really, really growing uh, into his body a bit more, and, and getting his form down, and, and truly being, you know, maybe a, a a future, you know, first couple round draft pick if if he really, uh, you know, works at it.
1: Yeah, I'm excited about well- the, the, the possible club, and this this class is pretty much set. Everything else going forward is pretty much is going to be on um, the finishing touches of it. Uh, obviously, we want we we need a running back. As of right now, Shah Clayton is not a take. Um, Jameer Gibbs, in my opinion, man, I would rather be Gibbs or Buzz. Um, if we're not gonna get Jameer Gibbs or uh, Zachary Evans is out of the picture, I, I would rather just not take a back. I will um I would bet on Linger getting the waiver and then taking two back backs next cycle. Um yeah. but but the thing about that, like people saying, like there's no the way we're recruiting backs right now, there's no guarantee that we're gonna get one. Next cycle, e- either way, man, so they, a lot of people want Clayton, man. But I'm just not that high on him, and I'm not a big fan of, of, of filling a room with, with um with subpar. Like, you're too sure. far down on the board. Like, we had a board. I think right. we are too far down on the running back board just to take a guy. And they canceled Jalen White's official visit for this weekend as well.
2: Uh, I, I don't. What do you think? I don't I don't think Gibbs, I, I don't think it ultimately is going to work out for Florida. I think that he likes the idea of playing at, at Florida. I think he likes what, what Florida's offered. But I think, you know, for him it's being able to play close to home. And, you know, Georgia Tech was either his first offer or one of his first offers. And I know that that's been really important to him. So I think he's going to stick with Georgia Tech. But do you have a different read on that for Gibbs or or is that where you're leaning as well? Um, They feel, some some people are optimistic about
1: Gibbs. Uh, I, I think they, they gave him something to think about. But if I'm a bad man, I bet on Gibbs signing with Georgia Tech. I don't I don't have enough smoke right now not to change my mind. Um, I hope I'm wrong. Uh, I'm not making yeah. any declarations like, oh, yeah, we definitely missed. I mean, it's recruiting. We got a whole other week to go before signing day. It's going to be a lot of smoke and mirrors. This is how the, all this works, man. But uh, if, if I had to make a decision, today, I think he signed with Georgia Tech. But I hope we we find a way to, um, to win that battle before signing day. That, that's a huge need with him. And Avante Williams closing this class out, if, I mean, get, getting Van Prey would just be a blessing at that point. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's just, let's just cherry on the top. But those two guys will, will solidify two, two, two needs, man, if we can get Avante and Jameer Gibbs. And Dee Beckwith is also a need as well because I think Kyle Pitts got one more year and he's out of here. Yep. So we need that big physical wide receiver, flex tight end tight position field. And I think he, he can come in and, and
2: fill that role. Is there anybody else that you feel like, you know, Florida's in the mix for that that might pop for the Gators or, you know, is, is somebody that we should be on the lookout for to, to potentially have a visit this weekend? Or uh, you know, you're pretty signed off on on probably those three guys that we just talked about?
1: Yeah, probably just those guys. I mean, we got Junior Day coming up and some of those right. guys may pop. But right now, um, I think those are our main guys. I like that Prince kid. I think he's the guy that we could potentially get as well. Like you said, it's it's Texas in the picture, but David Turner's had got a hot hand right now, man. So, sure. I like I like where we had in his recruitment, but I don't have any. We we just got limited spots left. I think we got to we narrow this down to this is this how it's supposed to end. We're not used to it ending like this. We used right. to having to sweat last minute and hopefully we get our guy and our quarterback and all that jazz, yes, man. But this is how it's supposed to end. We we got our our class, the bulk of it in on. And it's been a heck of a class. I mean yeah. I see two four seven did a thing today and they ranked all the recruiters and the coaches in the country. And um you got that list in front of you, Dad? Uh,
2: I I will. I will. Uh all you right. know, so so while I pull that up. Uh, You know, I think it's, you know, if you look back at, you know, what Florida's been able to do, you know, in this recruiting class in terms of filling all of their needs. And you can argue the running back position is the one need that obviously they haven't filled because they didn't get anybody. They were able to get a five star, you know, guy on the transfer portal. They were able to fill in some of these needs, uh, you know, and beef up, you know, some of these positions, the wide receiver position. You know, we talked about getting Justin Shorter we talked about getting Pouncey, Uh, you know, so there's, you know, there's, there's ways that Florida is filling their class outside of just simply, you know, using the recruiting, um, you know, rankings that we have, you know, using, you know, high school students. So, you know, Florida has really built out a solid class that when you add in a guy like Brenton Cox, who, you know, committed right before the season started last year, you add in Justin Shorty, you add in Jordan Pouncey, you add in Lorenzo Lingard, that's, three five stars and a highly ranked four star you know as well as all of these other four star players um, as well but here is the list that we have did you want me to so Thomas Goldcamp shout out to him I uh, took a look at the 24/7 sports recruiter ranking so this is again going to be a little bit based on uh, some conversation of who's recruiting you confirming some of that with the staff but this still isn't a you know, 100% accurate picture. We'll probably It's an 85 to 90% accurate picture of who's recruiting who, who got whom to commit to who. Uh, but let's go through that list. Uh, so they have Brian Johnson as the number 19 recruiter uh, in the country, uh, which surprisingly is the number nine overall uh, you know, uh, recruiter in the SEC. So he's primarily responsible for Mark Britt, four-star, four-star Xavier Henderson, four-star Anthony Richardson, and four-star Isaiah Walker. Um, mm, who do they say got Xavier Henderson? They say Brian Johnson.
1: Oh, okay. I told y'all Brian Johnson is a solid killer, man. He's been, He's just been yeah. vibing. He's not he's not braggadocious. He's not going to shoot a bunch of uh, gyps when he lands a recruit. He's just going to vibe and land this guy, man, but that dude can recruit. He's just that chill is. with it.
2: Absolutely. Uh, so then from there it was Torin Gray, number 25 overall, number 11 in the SEC. Uh, was responsible for Jahari Rogers, Antoine Powell, Morikai McDaniel, Avery Helm, Trevez Johnson, and then provided uh, some secondary recruitment on Ethan Pouncy. Uh, then third, Larry Scott, number thirty-six, Garvin Dexter, Johnny Brown, Fenley Graham, your boy Ahmad, and then Jonathan Odom. And then you Christian. see that with
1: that with, with that haul, like that's what I don't care about like he's thirty-six, right? Yeah. Like I don't, he got Gervin Dexter. Like, <laughs> like I don't, I don't know which tight end coach was ahead of him, like <laughs> where, he, what he was at. But I'm pretty sure no, no tight end coach landed anything like Gravon Dexter. You know what I'm saying? No. But go ahead, I don't care. Like, go ahead, bro. We'll
2: do <laughs> uh, then Christian Robinson, uh, you're kind of underrated guy. Number 44 overall, 19 in the SEC. Derek Wingo, Jaquavion Frazier, Leonard Manuel, and Jahari Rogers. Then our boy Ron English at ninety seven. And then another thing with hold on before you go ahead.
1: Seats with see with, with, with C Rob like he filled so many linebacker spots last year. Like what what could he really have done besides just let like, right. me help these boys out and help them get their room right because my room is elite. So yeah. I got help. I got to help other people get their room elite. Maybe they should have put C Rob on Knox's guys. That, that's I, <laughs> I'm gonna send that suggestion to the staff. Go ahead, Dan. My bad.
2: <laughs> no, yeah, I mean you're right. You know he had one linebacker and. You know, two wide receivers and a cornerback that he was recruiting. So,
1: and yeah, he's exactly right. yeah, He's
2: floating around helping people. Yeah, yeah, So, he's kicking his feet up a little bit. Uh, yeah. Ron, Ron English, uh, number 97, 32 in the SEC uh, with Ethan Pouncey, Rashard Torrance, and then he helped with Mordecai McDaniel and Travis Johnson. Uh, obviously, he'll climb quite a bit, uh, you know, Florida's able to get uh, uh, Avante. Then John Hevesy, uh, one spot behind him at number 98 uh, with Josh Braun who's a huge get for the Gators, uh, Richard Leonard and Gerald Mincy, and then Isaiah Walker and Anthony Richardson, uh, he helped with. David Turner, uh, down at 104. And see, this is where I think the rankings get a little subjective, is because I don't think that it's just because he wasn't their primary recruiter, is that he wasn't part of the primary reason that a player didn't commit to Florida. So they have him on Lamar Goods and Jalen Lee, and then obviously helped with Gervon Dexter and Johnny Brown. I would argue that, of this season or of this recruiting season, David Turner is just about as important a recruiter. Um, yeah, see, I don't care what he got here ranked
1: at. I know yeah. what David Turner out here doing on the trail. You know uh-huh. what I'm saying? Like, our defensive line class is elite, and I know it's because of him Absolutely. and who he is. Because we had we had some shady and some shaky uh, D line recruitment before he got here. He pulled up, and things changed, man. So, I don't need any rankings to tell me that, you know? Yeah. But I, I appreciate it. Go
2: ahead. Yeah, I, I appreciate them putting this this list together for me. Yeah, I appreciate uh, it. Yeah, just... <laughs> Thanks, Thomas. Uh, Billy Gonzalez, number 249. Now number I believe 16,
1: this part. Go
0: ahead. That
2: number number 69 in the SEC. Uh, they have him. This is uh, terrible. so the terrible. <laughs> so the way that this is listed <laughs> is primary, and then it'll list the recruits, and then secondary. So under Billy Gonzalez, there is no primary. It's blank. Then it goes to secondary, where he helped with uh, with Derek Wingo, Jacavion Frazier, Xavier Henderson, and Leonard Manuel. Now, I do know that he played a really big role in helping get Justin Shorter, and I know that one of the things that his parents were looking for were when he came on, uh, when he was looking for a new school, they wanted somebody that was used to developing talent and had you know checked on the boxes when it comes to development. I don't think there's any question marks about that. I think that there's some massive question marks when you have a guy, you know, that has been in the you know college football ranks for so long is very well respected as a coach to have zero primary recruits as people that you are able to bring on board.
1: I'm not gonna do it, Dan. That's <laughs> what you're trying to do. I'm not gonna yeah. do it. But um yeah, I think I don't think uh, – I just don't hear enough of Billy' names in interviews. Like When these kids get interviewed uh, after commits or during their recruiting process, I never see his relationship with kids, like, one of the things that's, that's mentioned. Uh, but, like like I was saying, I can't get mad at recruiting because our wide receivers room is nice, so I, I can't really complain. So, shout-out to 247 for all this great information. It's good to know that Billy wasn't the primary on those guys, but also I can't get mad because – the receiver room's nice.
2: Right, and, and that's and that's the thing, right? Like That's where you have to be a little subjective. And then uh, there's just a couple of more here. So Billy Gonzalez and then Todd Grantham, uh, who's never really been a, a huge recruiter as much as he's been kind of the ancillary guy. Slash, this is my defense. You're going to want to play. So he's involved, obviously, in every defensive player. But as a defensive coordinator, you're not usually the primary guy on things. Uh, involved in Antoine Powell and Avery Helm. Uh, number 396. Um, and... I bet you're wondering there's still a name missing. So again, Oh, he's down. Point.
1: He chilly he Bob he he, in he, the basement.
2: So a, a mere 295 spots behind Todd Grantham. It's
1: probably like 296 jobs
2: is number 691 and number <laughs> 126 in the sec. Is our friend Greg Knox. Um, Obviously involved in bringing Lorenzo Lingard on board, uh, but was not involved in the primary recruitment of any player that's uh, committed uh, or signed. And then he was only involved as a secondary recruiter uh, on three-star offensive guard Richie Leonard. So here we are.
1: Yeah, obviously we missed a lot at running back. Yeah, um, he yeah, took a lot of paid time off this cycle but we got to yeah. we got to we got to figure out the running back recruiting real fast. I I don't I can't find a good enough excuse for us to to uh, miss on running backs like this, you know what I'm saying? But we'll get it's, it figured out.
2: Yeah, it's not just a one-time thing either. So, um, no. you know, that that's why Dan Mullen gets paid many more millions of dollars than I do to to try to figure it out, but yeah, uh, but man. that's where they're at right now. So,
1: I can't be mad right now. I can't be mad this offseason. season, nope. but, but, but the running back recruiting was a letdown. Again, Lorenzo Linger, it, especially if he gets a waiver. Uh, it gets you to get out of jail free card, but I think I think we got to make some type of changes at the running back recruiting. But that's on there. Yeah. I, I don't expect a change, but I think a change needs to happen. We'll let it all play out.
2: Hey, Mod, it's so you're trying to get Taps back in. No. Yeah. Who was it, your <laughs> – so, so talk to us. I, I'm curious to know when you were being recruited Um, about primary recruiters, secondary recruiters, obviously how involved Charlie Strong was in your recruitment. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, kind of what, what that looks like from a being recruited perspective.
0: Uh, all right. <laughs> uh yeah, strong, uh, controlled all, you know, our, our region and whatnot, uh, at a recruiting trail, um, not the two dollar horn or anything, but our practices used to look like blindside practices. We had so many, you know, uh, you know, people that could, that can go possibly go D1 on our team. Um, but you know, Charlie was the one that always came to represent the University of Florida and, I just remember, you know, t- times after games on Friday nights. You know, we couldn't wait to pick up the phone and call Coach Strong and tell him what we did in the game. You know what I'm saying? Um, so uh, we was very, very tight with Coach Strong. Um, I know that uh, the Pouncey Twins were were tight with with uh with he- Hevesy um, and, and Um but you know, I, me personally, I, I I was here for for Coach Strong. Um, I, I talked with Urban a little bit here and there, uh, you know, but mostly, you know, Strong had a control over what what we did as far as. Uh, recruiting for the University of Florida. Who's
1: the secondary? You no, know, just just little Irving, little Dazio, little Heavasy. It, it 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 was strong. Did they did they announced themselves first there, uh,
0: first and secondary. I well, mean, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, I mean, with Coach Strong, bro. Commun- go strong. Yeah. here in that urban, not you know, not really until I got really at school, but man, gotcha. was our point of contact. You know what I'm saying? So. You got to understand, too, I, you know, Florida wasn't really on me that early. It, I, it was a bunch of other schools that was, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, you know, when they wanted to the pouncey Twins and whatnot, and Randy had already committed, you know, I felt like they felt the best way to, to, to kind of get them was to get at me. So. All right. All right. Damn. This is word of the week, damn. Funk, damn. That's that funk.
2: <laughs> funk. F-O-U-N-K, funk. So I know funk is like a smell, right? Yeah, that's Uh,
1: definitely a smell. Yeah. Definitely a smell. Yeah. That funk. Smell like outside. Like, damn, who playing that? That's that funk. Oh,
2: that's a jam. That's that good jam. That's that good jam. There you go. There you go.
0: There you go. You want to slap? That's that slap shit.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of slapping, wait till you hear the song that ends end with the week. Hmm. Is there any country Kobe songs out there? No? no, no country Kobe songs. Although I am flying up to Nashville, Tennessee next week to go see my boy Tyler Childers at the Ryman. So I'll send uh, send you guys some videos. I know that Silk, you're a big Tyler Childers fan. So I'll send you oh, some Oh, hell videos. yeah.
1: Yeah, tag me in all the IG videos. I can't wait to not watch
2: it. Yes, sir. Uh, you,
0: better <laughs> send us, no. you better not send us no damn wildebeest pictures or whatever you sent us. What <laughs> about buffaloes or whatever? <laughs> <laughs> ah,
2: yeah, the bison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah <whatever.
0: laughs>
2: <laughs> That's still one of my favorite things ever I don't remember bro, we like, about, But all of a sudden that was, like, was like, random hell. <laughs> We're
0: gonna talk about nothing, man That's why We're gonna talk about nothing And you said that,
2: bro <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you, guys, you guys are on my mind I texted when you guys are in Cabo I was like, in Cabo, boys Thought <laughs> I was gonna text you all weekend And didn't pick my phone up, so I thought
1: you are gonna at least Text me a tall Mexican or something, bro You didn't even text me nothing Just a pool Just a pool <laughs> You go from a bison to A pool, a pool. Like how type of shit is that? Hey,
0: you
2: had some little short, short um, song chunks, man. I did, yes, sir. You know what Very wanna good. Say? Appreciate you for liking my picture, Amon. Now you, you gotta use funk
1: in the sentence before you put the song out. So
2: Yeah, man. Well,
1: well, uh, Dan, are you about to play that funk?
2: I sure am. <laughs> <I'm a> t- <laughs> sure am. So, uh, we're gonna end the show this week. Obviously, we started uh, with a bit of a somber note about Kobe Bryant, but as you guys know, growing up, I was a huge Lil Wayne fan from the time that he was in the Hot Boys to him doing his own mm. thing. Uh, but Lil Wayne had a song called Kobe Bryant come out, I don't know, probably 10 years ago on one of his mixtapes. That's still to this day I still listen to. So let's take us out with Lil Wayne, Kobe Bryant, May, the Black Mama rest in peace.
1: Rest in peace, Black Mama. the bean. Shout out hey, to the bean. 24. Hey, same corner next week, fellas. Stadium Miguel. Yeah, yeah. be the best you have to win and that's what drives me he's the best player in the game it's just that simple there's nothing that Kobe Bryant can't do he will defend your best player he will shoot from the perimeter he will get all in your mug he will do whatever it takes he is the most complete basketball player in the game today he has an assassin's mentality, I said this week, I said this when the trade went down, and I repeat it again, who's starving more for an NBA World
5: Championship, more than Kobe Bryant, there is no one, this guy is highly motivated, he separates Kobe from the pack, more than Kobe Bryant, Bryant. there is there no one, no Kobe okay. doing work, 2-4 on my shirt, he the greatest on the court greatest on the verse, going for the fourth ring like it was his first, gotta get the gleam, do it for Kareem, 2-4 so nice, my flow so mean, catch me at the game, sitting next to Goldstein, Kobe Brian I purple gold strings, Kobe in the game, don't get on the team, Black Black Mamba, Attack Conquer, Basketball Beast, rap, Rap Monster, Crossover Good, a turnaround jumper. I Just drive the lane and dunk on dunkers. You know where it's going, it's going down yo This is the lake show, but don't drown though I call him King Bryant not let the crown show I'm
1: Definitely, I'm just lost for words, I mean he's amazing
5: Pass me the damn ball, I don't need a pick at all And don't worry about my shot cause I'ma get that off Yeah, I drop 40 on your double teams Then I drop it Never take a day off, catch you at the top of the key and get a J off, Baseline, FaceTime, tongue out like two, three, even two, three, gotta live how do me, practice while you sleep, practice in my sleep, straight out of high school, the brackets ain't for me, I will be jumping over you like I got a mattress at my feet, and all field jacks and things, you better be passing it to me, I put the master in the beats, attack you like a beast, and I am starving for victory, and that means I'ma eat, and when they ask you who's the best, then the answer should be me. <laughs> Who's the best player in the NBA? Oh, it's
1: still Kobe Bryant.
5: That's really? It. Why? Because oh, you never know what you're going to get. Call me Mr. Clutch or Mr. Automatic. I can post up. All of them up or Lamar go get that alley. I'm going for the ring. I'm going for the ring. I went to Beijing and came back with the bling. Mouth, COVID break a mouth yes and he the best year don't worry lebron get him next year now what's defense to an assassin killer instinct murder the basket then steal the ball back hold it for ransom it's more than a game this is a passion been the all-star The overwhelming answer was Kobe Bryant. Bryant. Bryant.